Hello, welcome to episode number 322 of the Apple Log Podcast. I am your host, Simon Ed. Today's podcast is brought to you by AIXDSP.com. That's AIXDSP.com. Get affordable and useful plugins for your digital audio workstation. Get the IT Intuition Compressor. It's a compressor that gives you a clear and intuitive visual display that shows exactly what is happening to your audio at all times. Click the link in the description for more information. Uh, if you want to support my work on a monthly basis, go to patreon.com slash pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees. And you can cancel any time. And I'll like tell you, running a podcast, it's not free. It's not free. It costs money. And uh, your support is, is would be more than welcome. Okay. Patreon.com slash Want to buy a t-shirt? Go to appalog.ca slash shop. Um, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Give it five stars, please. Like and share on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Pod. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SimonHead666. And I must warn you that my Instagram is just pictures of my bicycle because I am taking pictures of my bike. Okay, get off my back. Um, yeah, so today on the show, I have Luke from Good Riddance. Luke comes to us all the way from Santa Cruz, California. He's the guitar player and founding member of the band Good Riddance. Good Riddance and I have some history. Um, we met each other in the mid-90s, 1995, I think, or 96, and I did sound for them, just off the cuff for fun. Uh, you know, a few bucks here and there. Uh, ended up going on tour with them for 30 days in North America in the early 2000s. And I was fresh off of some 41 tour and I was completely burnt out. And uh, I got, you know, you know, I you can get road rash from traveling a lot. And touring Good Riddance was just like a shot in the arm saying, yep, this is what we do. I've done like a few little tours here and there. I think we did like a, a like a snow, something to do with snow. Um, not snow, the performer, but snow, I think with pageant, we did something with Greenland um, snow job. And I ended up doing something for good, uh, good riddance and sick of it all on that tour. So, yeah. So, let, needless to say, good riddance has been a pretty important part of my life and pretty, pretty important part of my career. Um, you know, Chuck actually just had, you know, some pretty bad serious. He got hit by a car and he's going through rehab. Uh, Russ, uh, he's quiet. And Russ has been on the show before. I think it's episode number 46. And I think Chuck was episode number two. And it's only befitting to have Luke on at 322, six years later, since uh, I talked to Chuck on this show, and probably about four years later since I talked to him, well, four or five years at least, since I talked to Russ. So, ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax. They got some tour, they're doing some touring. Everything is just starting to slowly get back to normal. You know, uh, you know, I took some time off a couple of weeks ago because I actually caught COVID and uh, it was bad. It wasn't really super bad. Like I've had some friends who've had it way worse, but let me tell you, it's no joke. And uh, yeah, it, it really did put me down for a couple of days. And um, yeah, but in all honesty, the shot was worse than the first shot I took was the vaccination was worse than having COVID. But hey, your, your mileage may vary. But back to the subject of Luke and Good Riddance and the band and their tour. And they've still been doing it, man. It's going on, what, 27 years? Still still at it. And actually longer, because they were a band since the late 80s. <whistles> Ladies and gentlemen, my friend Luke from the band Good Riddance on the Upload Podcast. 
When's the last time I saw you, Simon? Uh, it was Hamilton. Uh, Shiza. It was that place, that that weird place in it. I think it was called the Absinthe. That's the one. And uh, it was a weird one because you guys kind of disappeared, and I didn't really. See, I think I saw Sean, and that was it. And then it was like you guys were just driving away. I'm like, what? Can't you say goodbye? Yeah, we're pretty much all business these days. You know, get in, get out, get to bed at a decent hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was it. Um, that had to be at least, it's got to be uh, 10 years ago. Oh, man. I didn't say 10 I, years. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. It's the last, the last 20 years, especially, have been kind of a blur. Yeah, I know. It happens. It yeah. happens. It really does. I, I, um, you know, I, it's funny, uh, you are episode number 322. Oh, uh, Chuck was number two. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I forgot what Russ was. But um, the funny Russ story was, I'm like, there's like all this commotion in the background. And I finally realized he was watching the hockey game while we were talking. <laughs> and I said to him, I'm like, are you watching the hockey game? He goes, well, yeah. I said, well, <laughs> dude, just turn it down. <laughs> And this was the part where Luke's computer crashed, so we had to get restarted, and we'll take you back to our regular scheduled program. That was crazy. I just got totally denied. Your computer turned off. It's so funny, that picture you sent looks like a Mac, but I'm like, why is he running Windows on a Mac? It is not a Mac. It HP? A Dell. Oh. Remember that ad thing used to be called, Dude, You're Getting a Dell? <laughs> yeah. Dude, You're Getting a Dell. <laughs> Like, yeah, uh, man. Whatever's in the budget, Dells are the Dells are the way to go. Five hundred bucks. Well, the thing too is they mail it to you, so it's really hard. To, do they still mail it to you? Because they don't have any like uh, outlet stores. Like we, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, we got screwed once because uh, Kevin from when he was in ten ten foot pole, Kevin came up to record some drums, and he forgot his power supply for his Dell, and I oh. said, uh, "Oh, we could just go to the store and get one." And turns out you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Oops. Yeah, big oops. <laughs> <clears throat> so how you been, man? Yeah, hanging in there, man. It's been a it's been a rough ride for sure. Um last couple of years between yeah. the pandemic and never heard of it. woes and fires in the Mount Santa Cruz Mountains. Yeah. And homeschooling. <laughs> and uh yeah, just trying to uh keep my keep my job afloat and um and still trying to do music on top of everything. It's it's a challenge for sure. Yeah. I guess you put a record out what like in 2019 or something, right? So it was just about time to start touring and then yep. the world said, "Not nah, not going to happen." Yeah, I think we got out there for maybe about 6 months before before the shit hit the fan. But yeah. um but yeah, we didn't really get out and do any proper touring on the record for sure. Yeah, Europe would have been was Europe in there or did you do North America? We had a Europe tour booked in June of 2020, which got canceled and postponed until June of 2021. Yeah. Which got canceled and now postponed until June of 2022. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking crazy, man. Like the whole fact that, you know, I th we're in our 50s now, right? Like I'm 50, 51. Yeah. yeah, I'm 52 in June next month. And Two years is a lot. Like at forty-eight to you know, or fifty to you know, forty-eight to fifty-one, that's a lot of time. You know, important time. Well, 
Not to mention it's a time in your life when like midlife crisis hits you as well. Yeah. So you got that on top of everything else. What did you get? What did you buy? <laughs> well, if I had money, I would have bought some stuff, but um, I'm just paying the bills, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough out there, man. And I mean, honestly, does I mean, good riddance isn't your main nine to five anymore, right? Like, so you have a job. I've had a uh, a job at a local winery. I've been there for 15 years now. Oh. So good riddance hasn't been my bread and butter for pretty much 20 years. I've been uh, been working. Yeah, because when you guys took a, like a five year break, right, like or something like that, you took a break. It wasn't a breakup, or was it a breakup? What was it, was, it? it was a breakup. Oh, okay. Yeah, we 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 broke up in two thousand and seven, um, and I had my first child, and pretty much had signed off uh, with music. I figured uh, I had a good run. I was uh, thirty seven. Thirty seven. Mm-hmm. And I uh, was ready to kind of settle down, have a family, and uh, got myself into a position at this local winery and uh, slogged that out for about five years and and started missing music after. I don't think I picked up my guitar for probably two years after the band broke up. I pretty much had resided to uh, chalking that up as my past and time to move on to a new phase in life. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, as I'm sure you can appreciate, being the musician that you are, um, you can't escape it. Yeah, it haunts you. It does. It does. It's yeah. it's in. You know, I've had this conversation probably over 300 times on this show about like when you're 20 and selfish. Um, yeah. Life's great. I mean, when you have no concept of like um, responsibility <laughs> or paying the bills or getting by. These are things that 20 somethings go through, you know, and then after you turn like 25 or 26 or 27, things start getting a little like, hold on a second, like, whoa, pull the brakes, put the brakes on what's happening. You know what I mean? And then you start realizing, you know, you've met your partner in life and then you start thinking, man, I'm I'm selfish. Like I gotta, I gotta get out of this. Yeah. Similar, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely, uh, I would say that's pretty, pretty accurate depiction of, uh, I hit about 27 ish and, um, I met my, my future wife and, and we, uh, started a relationship and I started thinking about my future, knowing that I wasn't going to be able to sustain, sustain the rest of my life playing music financially. So uh, I decided to go back to college in my early 30s, and I graduated uh, at age 36 with a business administration degree, and uh, that was about the time that Good Riddance broke up. I got my degree, I got a job, uh, had a kid on the way, and uh, was all geared up for for entering a new phase in life, and uh, started that started that new phase and got in a pretty good place with it. I was, my job was relatively flexible. Uh, You know, my wife put up with me for many, many years being a touring musician before we got married and had kids. So she's always been very supportive. And um, anyhow, uh, I was missing music and, and I was still talking to Chuck a lot and kind of, 
we were just reminiscing and we were both missing playing music and um, I don't know the exact how the events exactly transpired but eventually a word got around to russ and we managed to meet up and we talked about easing back into it we did a couple small shows we didn't talk about writing and recording any new music it was just like oh let's maybe go out there and play a couple of shows and see how it goes and uh one show led into another led into a tour and uh, a couple of years later then we i think in 2000 we did uh, Peace in Our Time was our first record after we came back and then like you said uh, about 2019 I believe is when our most recent record came out Thoughts and Prayers yeah and I remember getting a phone call and I was up here in Toronto and I was like there's a band I don't think you know them and- no like they're they're from Santa Cruz. I'm like good riddance, and you're like, like it's got to be good riddance. Like who else can it be? And and, and she's like, uh, uh, yeah. I said, yeah, I worked for them. Like I think at the time, I like I'd worked with you guys like in 2001, and uh, you know, I think I did sound for you guys the first time you came to Canada when I was like touring as a sound guy. And we've known you for a long time. Yeah, yeah man, since 19. 19- I think you came up to Canada around 96, first time 95 maybe when that first. Was that record- the- no jam tour i think before yeah yeah it was it was no 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 before then because oh, wow. that was in like snow jam was like late 90s um i yeah. think and with pageant yeah 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 i think the first time was you came up in the summer and it was uh you guys trigger happy and reset okay and reset and it was like this um we did quebec I was with I was doing sound for a trigger. No, they wanted my van, so I just served as their sound guy by proxy. I think I think that was the situation, and um, it might have been ninety six because ninety five was the first time I toured with this in a few. So yeah, so your your record was out in Canada, and it was one of those situations where it was like people really were so into your band, Quebec people from Quebec mostly. You know what I mean? Like there was this yep. this sort of like a buzz. And that's sort of the heyday of fat records, music and bands. And so, you know what I mean? Like power punk rock. And it seemed like, you know, do you remember the kind of how, how that revolution kind of started? Cause that would have been like, you're right there. I mean, you're, you're right in that sweet spot. Warp tour. Yeah. I would say we were like maybe two years behind the wave. Like, like um, our record, Forgotten Country came out in 95. And uh, the bands that put out records just a few years earlier, like like Pennywise and... Uh, Propagandy. And, and Rancid and Propagandy, yeah, the, first, the first bands on Fat Records, yeah. Wagwagon. Yeah. Like they, they kind of... Uh, they were on the peak of the wave. And then we, we were kind of like the second, the second wave of Fat Records. Yeah, I mean the same similar thing kind of happened with Epitaph. Epitaph had that huge success with like Offspring, and all of a sudden all these other bands started getting. Yeah. You know, was that sort of like the situation? Like, I guess No Effects was actually riding that whole. Or, or wait, were they on Epitaph back then? At that before then? Yes, they uh, were. Yeah, and and then sort of like it seemed like ep, like how Fat Records sort of just started providing, um, you know, a resource for more bands because they could. It's a good, it's well, a good, it's a good thing. You know what I mean? Like, 
He knew. I mean, we were, we were incredibly fortunate. I mean, even though we were the second wave, um, our timing was still really good. And, and, you know, like, uh, with the music business, it's all about timing. Like there's so many incredible bands that, that missed the mark with their timing. And, um, it's unfortunate, but, uh, we just lucked out in that we kind of rode on the coattails of, of no effects, really. I mean, they, they, they kind of had a whole thing going and, and the bands that were signing to fat records kind of, uh, rode the coattails of no effects. Yeah. And we were one, we were one of them. So there's a whole, you know, there's a whole culture, especially at that time in the mid nineties around, uh, fat records and epitaph records. and and if you were on either one of those labels, you had a lot of opportunities open up for you. Yeah. And like, how did that all come together? Because well, I guess because you're north end of, of, of California, you know what I mean? There was, was there, yeah. how, how, did, how did that whole meeting uh, with, with Mike and all that, how, how did it all go down? Yeah. Uh, so we did what most unknown punk bands did back in the early 90s. And that was we made a demo tape and we mailed it to the address that was on the back of a record, um, you know, for whatever record label it was that you were shopping to. So we, we had, uh, I mean, we, we basically sent demo tapes to every, every punk label, just getting addresses off of back of records because there was no internet back then and uh, sending out demo tapes. And we actually got a handwritten letter back from Fat Mike. And he wrote us and said, hey, I, I like what you're doing. Um, you know, keep me posted. Let me let me know when you guys uh, record something new. So that was kind of our first, to my knowledge, that was our first um, correspondence with Fat Mike. And then what sealed the deal was I... Uh, I think I was about 24 years old, maybe 23 years old. And there was a band from San Francisco called the White Trash Debutantes. <laughs> and um, I had a mutual friend who was managing them. He was a guy from Santa Cruz. And he asked me if I'd be interested. I had a van at the time. And he asked me if, if uh, he could hire me to drive them on a Northwest tour up to Vancouver. Oh my God, this is yeah. this is crazy because I know I saw white trash debutants up like either at Town Pump or the or uh, the whatever the hotel I forgot was called. Yeah, I think it was Town Pump. I yeah. think it was Town Pump. So like, uh, so yeah, we did this. I did. It was like five or six shows. It wasn't a lot of shows, but um, anyhow, we were up in Vancouver, and during the day there was this. What was that? Uh, citywide fest music festival that they used to do. Oh, uh, Music West. Music, music, music West. Music West. Yeah. So, so we got there early, and I went to Music West, and I got to see SNFU, and I got to see uh, No Effects, and then the, that night the White Trash Debutants were playing it. I think it was Town Pump, but it could have been somewhere else. Yeah. And they were playing there with uh, Cadillac Tramps. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that maybe that rings a bell? For it you. does. It's it's all kind of coming back, and because uh, I was I was living there at that time, like around that yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, we uh, we were at the show that, that White Trash Debutants were playing at, and my buddy 
who was the the manager of White Trash Debutantes, ran into Fat Mike at the bar. They came out to the show to see the Cadillac Tramps, and he got to talking to Mike, and he's like, "Yeah, I got I got the guitar player from Good Riddance. He's here with us." And and Mike's like, "Yeah, you know, I I got their demo tape, and I really liked it. Like, introduce me." And so. After the show was over, uh, my buddy, his name is Todd, Todd Kent. Uh-huh. He introduced me to Mike, and uh, we had a nice conversation. He told me he was about to head out to Europe for like an eight-week tour with no effects. But when he got back, that he wanted me to give him a call, and we could talk about uh, doing something with Fat Records. So, I mean, I was I was ecstatic. And... Uh, just waiting, watching, watching uh, the days go by and <laughs> finally gave him a ring when he got back. And he originally had said that he was really just interested in doing a seven inch. And I, through conversation, told him that we really, the seven inch is great, but we really want to do a full length record. And he agreed to it. And so um, we we went in and demoed, I don't know, about 25 songs or so. And uh, a few of those songs ended up on the seven inch called Decoy, which was the first release that came out by us on Fat Records. And also with that uh, demo tape, the we had many songs to choose from, which ended up on Forgotten Country, our first record. That's crazy. And it wasn't very long. Like It was sort of like, a year maybe of just like it didn't take long for you guys to leave the country and sort of go outside of your main hometown and that's like for any touring band that's like you've already won at that point right you're like you're leaving town you don't need to play any local shows for a while yeah i mean it was unbelievable i mean we were we were not necessarily the most popular band in santa cruz we were just kind of a we'd play parties and Mm -hmm. an occasional hall show kind of a thing and then we would we would venture out around the Bay Area and play an odd show at a club like in San Francisco or Oakland or something like that. The bottom of the hill or something. <laughs> well, yeah, not we didn't play there at the time, but um, but yeah, just I mean, like pizza, like pizza restaurants, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, playing for twenty people at a pizza restaurant. That's type insane. Of thing. And um, basically, the floodgates opened as soon as we. Uh, got on Fat Records, and we got aligned with booking agents, yeah. and we got offered uh, to go out and support uh, more known bands. So uh, I want to say it wasn't very long, maybe a month or two after Fat Rec- uh, Forgotten Country came out, that we were on a seven-week tour with No Use for a Name in Europe. Yeah. It's like, okay, how did this happen? Like, all of a sudden, we're, I mean, we had to make the decisions about, you know, we were all working jobs at the time, and we had to make those hard decisions. Like, okay, like, here's the opportunity. Do we do we run with it, or do we just kind of put our feet in the water and ease into it? And we just jumped into it. We all quit our jobs, and and the next thing you know, we were on the road seven or eight months out of the year. And um, especially in those days, doing a lot of uh, support tours. Yeah, we were we got asked by a lot of other Fat Records and Epitaph bands if we would want to come out and um, and support them. So, yeah, and it was like a similar thing happened to Propaganda. Like they left Canada to go on tour, 
And it was like a week of kind of like kind of smallest shows. And then all of a sudden they were like one week into a tour and people are like singing along to songs. And they're yeah. like, how, this is so weird. Like, how did this, how did this happen? And maybe we were, yeah, the same kind of deal. I mean, we were, we were two, I don't know, a week and a half or so into this seven week European tour with no use for a name. Our record had just come out like two months earlier. And we called back to Fat Records and they're like, you guys have sold 20,000 records. And we're like, what? What? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Like, like, no. Like, so it was like any band that was on Fat Records at that time, just, just uh, by association with the label, you know, you were, you were, people bought the records because they saw the Fat Records logo on it. Yeah, I know. But I, I think you're downplaying it a little bit. I think there's like so, records that just sort of hit in the time at the right time. Like we were talking about before, it's, it's timing. You know what I mean? It's not, you know, and it's luck. I mean, and it's really hard to explain that to people who are like, you know, you've, you know, you are, you have business now, like in your training, like how do you, you know what I mean? How do you prepare for that type of um, success and what do you do with it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, do you turn into lunatics and you know, you guys kind of kept, kept it pretty, pretty mellow. But there's like a time and a place and, and it's like it all happened, you know, and it's nobody can explain that. It's like magic. Yeah, no, it really felt like uh, like divine intervention. It was. Uh, it was about I was in good riddance for about five years before we got signed to Fat Records. And like I said, we were just like playing wherever we could local a party or mm -hmm. a local a local club that would have us every once in a while. Yeah. And um we just lucked out. Like you said, it's luck. A lot of it, so much of it is luck. We weren't, we weren't a very, you know, particularly good band. Uh, uh, you know, if you listen to our first record, we recorded and mixed that record in nine days. Yeah. And, and it's pretty scrappy. Yeah, like, I know. It's pretty, it's a classic record. It's like, you know, it's like you can, there's a lot you're like, yeah, that's, you can't tell that to your fans. The people are like, fuck you. <laughs> He's my favorite <laughs> album. You know, don't that, tell me. You yeah. Know? Yeah. No, to this day, that's a lot of people's favorite record, yeah. and and I listen to it and I cringe because I can just hear all the mistakes and really? the bad timing and yeah, yeah, a lot of people that's their favorite pre computers. It's like really played by people. Yep. <laughs> so yep, uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, to tape two inch tape. Like, yep. oh man, try that now. You can't do that. You got to be like super rich to to work on, you know, tape machines. I don't think oh, it really yeah. exists. You're Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's that's that caliber of band that can work on tape now. Which I just right. listened to that record today, and I was like, it's not shitty. The new one? Yeah, it's not that. I mean, I, never was a fan, so I'm giving them a chance. You know. Well, that's nice of you. Yeah, no, I try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I've listened to a few songs on that record, and it didn't knock my socks off. I I did I did like. Chili Peppers in the early days. I, I saw them on the Mother's Milk tour a couple times. Yeah. That was kind of, that was kind of their peak for me. Yeah, I mean honestly, they, everything got shadowed out by that funky um that Blood Sex Magic um album. Yeah. Like people just that was it. The same thing. It was the same time, same era. It seems so mystical now. It feels, it's hard to believe it was 30 years ago. That type it's, of stuff. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. I mean Getting old and putting life into perspective, 
and realizing um, how short life is when you can just think like 30 years ago, okay, that seemed like yesterday. And 30 years from now, I'll be 81 years old. <laughs> and like, just think about how fast that those 30 years went. So yeah, I think it slows down. Short. I really hope it does slow down because I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, yeah, I have, I have teenagers. I have two teenagers. Oh, you know, you're, you're, bless you. you have two, one, two. I have a, I have a 14 year old daughter and a 12 year old son. Yeah. Insane. Yep. You know, actually fun fact for the listeners at home. Um, our first child was conceived on your tour. Oh, when I came home to Toronto. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. You're welcome child <laughs> i'm surprised you didn't you didn't you name it what was a daughter or a son 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 yeah you should have named him luke <laughs> this is yeah well you know yeah it's true luke had i don't know if that works i don't know that works. No, yeah kind of weird yeah right. yeah you know you know it's funny we we're talking i mean this is probably gonna go all over the place because you know but like in the 2000s it seemed like people were kind of kind of fed up with us with when we were on those tours did did you get that you know, i think you called it the no love tour like around 2001 well did i i called it that i think you all called it back in the, when that rv we're in that crazy rv roaches coaches <laughs> oh yeah yeah right roaches coaches we had to we had to ditch that thing because it, it died somewhere I can't remember what city it died in. But. It made no that been a different tour. It made it back to Santa Cruz, but oh, okay. it was in really bad shape. Like we we stopped at Home Depots to rent tools to fix like the table because we had some pretty insane Uno games at that, <laughs> yeah. and you'd slam on it, and all of a sudden the table would collapse. You know? Yeah, yeah. You'd open up a drawer, and all of a sudden, like the the cupboard would be in like in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that was that we did we did uh i guess that wasn't the same tour but we we did roaches coaches on another tour and and the and it completely bit the dust and we had to desert it we had to leave it i don't remember where we left it but we flew home really and, uh i don't know what happened with it I, they had they had to figure it out but <laughs> it was some major mechanical issue it was such a good idea. I mean, because you took the that big that big bedroom in the back and turned it into bunks, which was a bit yeah. of a disaster, by the way. Because like driving at night, being at behind the back axle, I never did. I was always up front. I always did the overnight drives. But we'd get like I remember I got ejected from the top bunk. <laughs> was it Mario was on that tour with us? Pro, yeah. yeah, yeah, and he he did this turn, and I I got thrown out of the bunk with all my bedding. <laughs> And and all I could say was like drive smooth. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I I remember that. I remember the conversation about if you were on that back wheel well, it was just torture. Oh. Like it was impossible to actually try to sleep in the middle of the night on an overnight drive. There was, an, gonna there was another gonna happen? time uh where we just got into Nevada and I'm like, Oh, casinos and you're all sleeping in the back and I'm like, I slowly turned off the highway and I got to the parking lot and I ran in and I, I won $200 at the slots. And then I ran back into the RV and I didn't know Chuck was a kind of a gambler at the time, but yeah. I, he goes, where are I? I'm like, we're at the casino. I just want money. He goes, ah, as I'm driving. <laughs> and uh, on that tour, I would just bet beside him 
uh, on like roulette, and he was like a rabbit's foot, like always won. Yeah, always yeah, won. Yeah, he's yeah. No, he. We played a show once in Reno with Offspring. We opened up for the Offspring, and after our set, the rest of us were you know we we're hanging at the at the at the show, and Chuck took a cab and went to a casino and came back like an hour and a half later. He's like, I just won seven hundred dollars. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding? Like, I never win, never win. But you're right. That guy, that guy, has some sort of, I don't know, some sort of luck charm, whatever you want to call it. I I managed to buy my own hotel when we were in Reno. I managed to make enough money from betting like all across Nevada, and I think we were in Michigan too, and we kept winning. And I made enough money to get my own hotel room. So I remember I was just I was there. I was leaving, and we were all like lit like just wasted like and and chuck had gone up to his room and i came down he's his hands in his pocket and he pulls out like hands full of chips like i'm still gambling and i think he told the story he was at the craps table like all night like throwing dice and winning (laughs) that's so chuck yeah i don't think he's so much that way nowadays but yeah back back in the day like anytime we were around somewhere to gamble he 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 would always come away a winner yeah Good karma. Yeah, my my ideal. I've been to Vegas in the last fifteen years. I've been there probably four or five times, and I don't think I've gambled once. I'd, I've given up on it. Yeah, I think. Well, when I used, I was touring with before I toured with you guys. I was touring a lot with uh, some forty one, and we were always in Vegas, and I always lost because the only time the gamble would be like two in the morning, and you're trying to play blackjack with like two one other person. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? And you need the full table to even try to beat the house. Yeah, right. So I'm playing there. I'm like, fuck it. Just, I kept losing money. I was like, ah. Sorry. Eh. But, um, but yeah, man, it, that was, those are good times. That was, that was like, I think that was over a month of just spending time touring all over, you know. And it seemed like people, like, you know, I th- like you. Th- I think you guys called it the No Love Tour. And I think it was only like three or four years later that you kind of sort of hung it up, you know, because. Yeah. Of- yeah. I mean, you could you could definitely feel uh, less people at the show, less record sales. Um, it, there is a, a definite feeling like, OK, like our time is maybe come and gone. We still we would still do okay at shows, but um, it was noticeably the enthusiasm. The ge- the generation had just you know they'd grown into adults and they were having certain families and careers, mm-hmm. and so um, less of the people that came out to see us when they were seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, you know they were busy with life. And um, what's interesting now is, and I'm sure you've seen this with bands that you work with. Um, it's it's those same people that are coming out to the shows that have gotten a babysitter for the night <laughs> and and it's a date night, you know, and, and, and then you hear the stories of like, Oh yeah, I saw you guys back in 1997 when I was 17 years old and now I'm 45 and, yeah. you know, I, I, me and my wife got a babysitter. I'm so stoked to be here. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the program now. It, I guess you could say it's a little bit of nostalgia. Yeah. And uh, people, people kind of going back and reliving their youth. Yeah. But um, there's a vibrancy there. It's um, 
there's there's a there's a real passion there like the the, the fans that have stuck with us for so long you know we never we were never the biggest band but we had have always had like this core group of uh loyal fans that that were into the message of our band that were into the spirit of our band and appreciated all the energy that we put out on stage and uh they still they still come out to see us and um it's nice you know we we like i said we, like i said we all have kind of full-time commitments at home now with, with families and jobs and what have you so we we really only get on the road about four to six weeks maybe in a year we do a lot of weekend things and then maybe you know a short like one week run here two weeks there and we work it around our our work and family schedules so that's the that's the challenge nowadays is is we still you know we love playing we love it still is what brings us the greatest joy is is getting on stage and performing and having a good time with with people but we have to be uh very strategic about it and um it's it's definitely more com complicated <laughs> but it's still worth it it's true it's true yeah i i um i haven't played too many shows lately in fact i have a whole other thing that is so not punk anymore and All i'm right. embarrassed to say that i'll tell you when we get off when we stop because okay. <laughs> it's not punk at all in fact, it's so not punk, it's actually punk. That's that's how not punk it is. What was the name of the last band you played in that, that you you op you played some shows with? Oh, us? yeah, that was Foursquare. Yeah, yeah. Foursquare. Yeah, that yeah. was that was the band I put together with my buddy Al and my, and actually they they all kind of disappeared and moved on to other things, but yeah, I mean, it's um I actually started another band with my buddy Mikey called the Fairmounts. And actually if you're familiar with the Mikey and his Uke series, yeah, that's yep. that's Mikey from the Fairmounts. So uh, okay. he's just sort of taken this whole other thing, you know, and turned it into something. And in in the in the height of COVID, he managed to make something that's He made he made a lot of really cool things. Yeah. I especially I especially like the um the SNFU song that they did. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's, it's, um, uh, it with that's actually, was that with Brent and Mark? Uh, or did no. they do? Yeah, I can't remember. No. He's done so no, many but, of them. <laughs> I know. And he's, he's still doing them. I think, yeah, I just think did I a Dickies song came out yep. today or yep. yesterday or something. Yeah. Well, I'm doing one with him and we're doing a Cindy Lauper song. We're doing Money Changes Everything. That's coming out awesome. pretty soon. Yeah, it's going to be cool. And, uh, but yeah, man, like for playing for me, it's like, it's, I mean, I just, yeah, it's, it's, there is a time, you know, in life where you're like, yeah, it's not as, ex it's not as important. And I'm a little like, I have a little PTSD from trying to be in a band and not really uh -huh. succeeding. But uh -huh. so I'm like, so for me to like really try to get my teeth into something, it's, it's quite difficult, you know, and it's all for me now. Like I wrote a song today. I haven't written a song in a month, you know, so for me, it's more like, I'm going to do it on my time because I used to have to like, everybody was all, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm talking about when it comes to like having a band and it's a functioning band and you want yeah. to be successful. And there's your yeah. torn between like where, where your moral compass is on where, where you, how successfully do you want to be? You know what I mean? And that's, that's like a, a question you start asking yourself. I think, I think that, you know, somebody with as much experience that, that, that you've had, you 
you kind of get to a point where it's like, you know how, you know, the music business is, is so like, like we've talked about earlier, it's about timing and being uh, the right, the right uh, act for what people are interested in, et cetera, et cetera. But I think you get older and it's like your creativity and your, your, your expression of that creativity you don't really even think about any of that. It's just like you write a song because you need to get it out of you. Yeah. And whether it's heard by 10,000 people or 10 people, it, it kind of, it doesn't really matter as much. It's, it's, it's just more, it's fulfilling to just, you know, give birth to that <laughs> song into that, into that train of thought. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I mean, with Gooderins, like nowadays, we it's it's kind of, there's kind of a freedom in what we do in that we don't uh, rely on the band for our livelihood. Mm-hmm. It's 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 back to being a passion thing purely, and uh, which is healthy. It is healthy. Yeah, it, it's it's a healthy like we don't we don't go into re- record writing a record like how many you know how many. I mean, the record business is just completely decimated, as you know, mm-hmm. but um, there's no, there's really no like thought of how many people are going to download this or uh, listen to it on Spotify or whatever. Like, it's just like, we're just being ourselves. And like, if people like it, they like it. And if they don't, they don't. And we'll still like book shows and we can go out and, and, you know, play a small club and a few hundred people will come out and see us and we'll get offered to go play on some festivals and that's great and um it's just the experience nowadays uh, to to break to break from uh normal life from the day job and from being a uh you know being on always on point with being a parent and to just kind of get away and uh be a creative expressionist uh for a week here and a week there yeah it, it just provides fulfillment yeah. Some, some dudes like all get together and go golfing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's sort of what it is now. It's like, we're on a little holiday golfing. The difference between this is it's actually maybe somewhat paying for itself. And it's a hobby that, you know what I mean? And everybody, everybody got it into the right, right reasons. Always like, did you break even? You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like how much yeah. money did you make? It's like, dude, how much money did you lose? You know what I yeah. mean? And that's, that's a different type of scenario. And you can only do that so many times. And, and, you know, and like it feeds back to the whole being a selfless musician thing. It's like, okay, you have your time. That's your time. That's you. That's who you are. And it's really hard to try to explain that to the people in your family. You know what I mean? You can try and they get it for the better part, but it's, there's more to it than just, you know, I, I need to do this. You know, that's to me, I hear myself saying that. I'm like, I don't, I don't really need to do that. <laughs> I don't need to do that. You know? Yeah, no, it's, I, I'm, I'm lucky to have a, a wife that, that seems to understand the mentality of, of a, a musician and she can tell like when I'm, when I'm in a, get, when I've been like in a bad mood for a long time, you know, several days or a couple of weeks or whatever, she'll know that it's because I'm not doing anything creative create creative and uh and uh she you know she she encourages me still to this day to 
to go out and and nurture that side of myself so yeah that's saying that's saying a lot when you're a parent and you've got the responsibilities of a parent and you've got a full-time job and um you know I'm, I'm lucky in that my, my work has been relatively flexible with me as well. Yeah. So, so, uh, I'm in a good position. Um, and even Chuck, Chuck was a full-time employee of a pretty well-known bike helmet company. And, uh, he was a marketing manager and they were really good with letting him take time off to go and tour. And same with Russ, Russ was working, at a at an apple store and he could put in for time off and they were flexible and so i just think about um you know just that that in itself is is pretty fortunate because once you lock into a career you know it's mostly like okay you get two weeks off a year yeah and 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 you know how are you gonna how are you gonna actually go out and play music if you only get two weeks off a year yeah especially with a family because you know the you know you need to you still need to commit time you know um i played in a band with a guy who was just getting off the the ground like in his career as a bank he's worked as a um a broker for banks so he would like invest and do things and he worked for a company and every time he'd go on tour like we go to europe for like a month and a half and he'd have to quit his job and I'm like, oh uh, man! And he only he did that twice, and it's, uh-huh. and now he still works. Like he works out of his cottage, like two hours north of here, and he goes to the city like once a month. Like so, he yeah. still that's what he still does. You know, that's still his career. Hasn't picked up a guitar. I went to his house. There's like dust, like all over. Yeah. <laughs> like you haven't picked this up. <laughs> you haven't even looked at it. Like it's dusty. You should be blowing the dust. <laughs> it's very funny. But he literally got right out of it. And I've I've met a few people that got right out of it. And I'm like, I still have like that, ooh, you know, is that's part of you. You know what I mean? And I've met people who work in theater who got like jobs, as, especially now through the, the plague, have, have got jobs as construction guys. And they've yeah. not coming back. They're not coming back. And it's like, yeah. oh, that kind of sucks, you know, because it's a passion. You know, you have a passion. It's part of you. And maybe it wasn't much of a passion if they're not really worried. But that's me like trying to like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Like I still work in art and I, I tour manage bands, but I have a, like a job. I work for a city run theater. So I, it's like, it's a job. I have pension, you know, it's like a real job. You know? Yeah. So I kind of have the best of both worlds. I can kind of still retire at a certain age, but then I can still work from home, you know, and do this and do that and enjoy my life. So yeah, it's about balance. And I think everybody kind of navigates their way and finds their place. I would agree with that. And yes, it's about balance, and that's that's really important. And um, and I guess, yeah, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but if you can find that balance, I think you're pretty lucky lucky in life. But I I think for some people, like you're saying, especially with this pandemic, I remember right at the outset of the pandemic, we had a we had a band meeting with me and Chuck and Russ and. Like, okay, well, what are we going to do? And this is when bands were like doing these uh, <laughs> like live pay-per-view yeah. things. I'm like, oh, I don't know. That's like, we're not, we're not a big enough, like we're not going to, people aren't going to watch us. Like they're going to watch the Dropkick Murphys or something. Right, like right. And I'm like, I'm going to be, we're, what we're going to see through this pandemic is we're going to see number one, a lot of bands breaking up 
we're going to see a lot of, unfortunately, uh, suicides. Yep. Because as you know, like as an artist, like if you don't have any, any, any kind of format to, to be an artist, it's really, really hard on you. Very so, yeah. You know, I'm sure you've you've lost a lot of friends in the last couple of years. Yeah, I have. I've seen people literally starving. Like people yeah. need food. And I'm like, oh my god. I mean, that could be me. Could be you. Could be anybody, right? It's like, yeah, it sucks. It sucks to see. Yeah. So I mean, so a lot of these people, like you're saying, have gone into things like construction and things like that, and and that's and that's just the life event of the pandemic has has steered them in that direction and. And who knows, maybe at some point they like come back to music and art, but maybe not. Maybe that's just, you know, the, the life circumstances steered their life in a different direction and that's the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And and maybe that's okay. Like, yeah. like maybe they, maybe they, they're better off um, ha- having found some other channel to explore in life. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's, it's true. And like I said, if maybe the passion you know, like it's, I, I can't believe, like I have like, I keep saying this, I have like a form of imposter syndrome where it's like, <clears throat> you know, lights are still on, mortgage is paid. Everybody's got food in their bellies. I mean, these are all things, these are all the basic things that you're like, yeah. I take for granted now, you know? Yeah. I mean, there used to be time, I'm sure you can agree, but like you're going through the grocery store. I'm like, I don't know if I can get that. You know, it's, it's, a t- you know what I mean? Like it's a thing that happens and, and I have a job, you know what I mean, that pays the bills. And, and I think about people who are independent musicians, who are trying to just, first of all, be successful. And second of all, try not to starve. And third of all, try not to look desperate. Like, you know what I mean? Look like, oh my God, I'm suffering so hard. Because nobody really, you know what I mean? They, I'm sure as, as a musician, you're like, you can only talk about how much the life sucks so much before people start going, oh, come on. <laughs> you know, right? Right. <laughs> it's so hard touring all, the, all over North America you know okay that must have really been horrible for you you know but you know what i'm saying right yeah but there's also like yeah like it's 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 a it's the first time i think it feels like next to maybe sars or something where everybody has gone through the same thing there's not been like you know oh it's really bad over here but it's not so bad here you know what i mean it feels like this is the first time ever in history that everybody's had the same um, yep. trials and tribulations, you know, so maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. Maybe that's good. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe that's good. I'm sure there's, a, there's a lot of pros. Yeah. There's, there's pros and cons. And, and like you say, like it's a global pandemic and, um, no matter where you live, you've been affected and some, some places you've been affected more so than others, but, um, how to navigate that everybody's had, had to figure out how to, how to navigate and uh, stay above water. Yeah. And for some people uh, they've been fortunate and for some people they've been unfortunate. You know, I, I was fortunate with my job that, that I didn't get laid off, you know? Mm -hmm. So I work at a winery and people like to drink. Well, yeah. (laughs) So people like to drink, but at the same time we were closed for three months for um, our, our tasting rooms, which are kind of the bread and butter of the business to bring okay. people in to see the wine tasting, to sign up for the wine club and to keep the, the engine running. And uh, 
And so tasting rooms are closing because they've been uh, told that they have to. And I was just fortunate enough to where I still had enough uh, on my plate responsibility-wise and overseeing enough enough uh, money, I guess you could say, to where they needed me. Mm-hmm. But but at the same time, they cut back everybody's hours. Um, some people quit. Um, and there's been a lot of attrition in the workforce. Um, a lot of shifting of demographics in our in my in our community, especially here in Santa Cruz. It's uh, you know we're a bedroom community for the Silicon Valley. So when I grew up, Santa Cruz was very much kind of an artsy hippie college town. But uh, what has happened is is it's our city is now the bedroom community for the Silicon Valley. So, so people that are uh, making, you know, six figure plus salaries are buying up all the real estate and the housing prices have just skyrocketed here in Santa Cruz. So Mm -hmm. most of the people that I grew up with that were in music have left Santa Cruz long ago. You know, they, they, they moved to Portland, they moved to, Reno, they moved to Las Vegas. Um, just this shifting demographics that's happening uh, because of the economic conditions has been very interesting to live through. And uh, surprisingly, I'm still able to live in Santa Cruz because uh, barely, barely. <laughs> but um, but yeah, the pandemic really, really kind of. Uh, highlighted the discrepancies in class and the well-to-dos and the not well-to-dos and and like if you know if you weren't if you weren't in the right type of a career through the pandemic like life became really hard for you or you know or for some people it wasn't a big deal yeah yeah because they just hunker down and you know let it pass a lot of people like working in the tech industry, like they were kind of stoked because they got to work from home. Yeah. So, so they're still making big tech dollars and they don't, they're working. That, that's what happened was a lot of people that were uh, living over in the Silicon Valley were like, well, Hey, I can work from home. I'm going to buy a home by the beach. Yeah. Like why, why am I living here in this, in this no culture like Silicon yep. Valley, I'm going to go 45 minutes away and live next to the beach. And I don't care how much a house costs because I'm making $300,000 a year. Yeah. And, and you uh, saved so yourself what... tons of travel time. Yep. And, and, you know, and the other thing that happened is office spaces, especially in Toronto, like closed up, like people just went, yeah. Oh, and here's another, like my wife works in at, at a cable with, for the, the Canada's cable company. And her job was to move all the bandwidth from internet from downtown into the mm-hmm. suburbs because the whole world, everything just shifted into the suburbs. Yeah. 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 Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, yeah, it, it, there is type of mentality about that because I think it's, I mean, honestly, if you can work from home, it's like. I'm kind of jealous. Like I would have to do that. I still kind of do it, but it's like, I'm kind of jealous of the people who actually just do it now. Cause I'm my cousin. That's all she does. She doesn't, she doesn't go to the city. 
She lives yeah. the same thing about an hour outside of the city. She gets yep. up, she puts her toddler and takes him to, to, to school. And then she sits down and starts working. I mean, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, yeah. can't complain about that, you know, but the, um, but working people still got to work. And the fact is, is the working people still need to be exposed to the, the dangers. And it seems to me like nobody really cares about that danger anymore because it seems like everybody's caught it. Have you caught it? Yeah. Yeah. I caught yeah. it. How long ago? I, uh, me and Chuck both got it in uh, November. Oh, wow. So you had Deltas. You we were... had Delta. That's and the yeah, dangerous I... one. Yeah, and we think we got it from playing a show. Oh, shit. Actually, in our hometown of Santa Cruz. Yeah. We uh, we we had two shows in the, back in November. We played a small club in Santa Cruz, and then we played the next night down in Morro Bay. And um, anyhow, uh, we got through the shows. I went back to work the next week, and I had this slight cough, and I was, like, really tired. And I'm like, ah, I just, it, my work was really busy at the time. So I kind of just chalked it up to exhaustion mm. and, and seasonal cough. Like every, every year around that time, I'll get this little cough because the weather's changing. Mm. I didn't really think much of it. And then, um, we were driving, me and my family were driving down to visit my wife's family in Southern California. And I got a text from Chuck. He's like, dude, I got COVID. I'm like, oh crap. Mm. And uh, basically, we were about an hour away from visiting our in-laws, and my wife's like, you need to get tested. And we pulled off the highway. I got tested, came back positive, and uh, drove six hours back home. <laughs> and <laughs> Jesus. And then, <laughs> and then uh, spent the next five days in bed yeah but i was still working I, my work was really busy so i was working from home uh you know i'd work about two hours take a hour nap because i would get so tired wake up work for a couple hours take another nap and um it was pretty it was you know it definitely caught my attention i've i've been sicker in my life but yeah. but it was up it was definitely up there in terms of uh i would say I would say close to the time I got walking pneumonia yeah. from, touring in, from touring in Europe. It was it was about that level of sickness for sure. It was it was substantial. Yeah, mine felt worse. My my vaccination felt worse than COVID, right? Oh. Like like I had the first shot and I just I was down for three or four days. It's funny wow. I was talking about. It. I don't remember how many days it was. That's how bad it was. Like I was just went to bed. I had it like four in the afternoon. Next day I was having a meeting online. And I'm like, I start getting dizzy. I'm like, I start yeah. feeling, you know, hot flashes. And I'm like, guys, I, I gotta get, I gotta go. And I went to bed, and then I woke up like three days or four days later. That's that's the part. <laughs> where like, really? I don't know if it was three or four days. And yeah, you know. And when I, I caught COVID from a club too, mixing a band, and uh. everybody in the band except for the guy who had already caught it in December caught COVID that night. And wow. uh, I think five or six more of our friends, people we know. So I would assume that. Everybody got COVID at the horseshoe that night. Yeah. And then I gave it to my wife and my, my daughter. My son luckily was away at college. So he, but he had already had it. So we're all like, we're all like first timers now. So we're like, you know, but the one thing, one thing I felt 
the, the anxiety of catching it went away, obviously. It was like, oh, okay. I'm not yep. worried about catching it now. And yeah. it's a good place to be because the anxiety was pretty high. Like I flew in a plane, like in the middle of 2020, went to Calgary and Calgary was like, fuck it. It never existed here. You know what I mean? Like they just yeah. had this whole way of looking at it and I, I didn't catch it there, but I was like, yeah, I took a picture my eyes are like bugged out. Like, oh my God, I'm on a plane with people. Like, this is ridiculous. What am I doing? Didn't catch COVID. But uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's been weird. Like, um, we did one of our first shows back was in June of 2021. Mm. So about a year ago, we played, uh, we played a festival in Arizona and here in California, at least, especially in Santa Cruz here, um, you know, everybody was very conscientious about wearing masks and all the protocols involved with, with being COVID safe. And then we went to Arizona and nobody gave a rat's ass. It was like, it was like, whoa, we got off the plane. Like nobody's wearing masks. We were walking around downtown. Nobody's wearing masks. Restaurants, nobody's wearing masks. And we played this festival and like, nobody's wearing a mask. And we're like, oh, okay. Like, I guess COVID doesn't exist here in, in Arizona. <laughs> Something in that uh, longitude parallel, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, it's like, yeah, that's kind of south of Calgary. (laughs) And at that time, at that time, the COVID cases, the count had gone down pretty low. Like, I think we were down to about 15,000 cases a day in the U.S. Yeah. So everybody's like, okay, this is, we're done with this. It's, it's pretty much on its last leg. Yeah. And even, you know, I bought into that too. I'm like, okay, like, I think that the worst has passed until September hit. Yep. And then yep. cold and flu season started and people, yeah. 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 We've, because we're city run, everybody's super like scared about, you know, transmitting. So we had like a barcode we'd sign in with and it was like a big thing. Yeah. And then you literally, I got on a plane. I was 2021, by the way. So I got my diggers fucked up. And then and I just like flew to this weird other part of Canada that is like, wow, you guys. And, and their cases were like skyrocketing too. And it was uh-huh. this two frames of thought. And I think Florida went through the same thing. Like Florida was like, yeah, we're all going to get it. You know what I mean? Like, and then what happened is actually the deaths went down because uh-huh. for some reason it leveled out and um, people thought they were nuts, but the statistics proved that they actually were probably on the, pro- the, the, the right end of the, of the, uh, you know, of the precaution. Yeah. And everybody, you know, yeah. My parents went down to Florida like for um over the winter and they were wearing masks and people thought oh you must have covid or you're not vaccinated right it's like it's a whole other way of thinking it's like no 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 we're just trying to be safe for you yeah yeah no it's it's i mean the politics of this whole thing has been fascinating yeah absolutely and, uh, yeah know, vaccinated and all the people all the people who have been resistant to the vaccine and I mean, I was double vaxxed and, and I still caught it, but I think you were, my, yeah, it was going to happen. I mean, they, they, they say you're not, it's not going to stop you from getting it. It's just going to not make you die. Like that's a big difference. My experience would, would reinforce that in that I never got to, you know, I get a fever, but I would never get a fever more than like 101. Yep. Me too. And my, my cough never really developed into much of anything in my lungs. 
Yeah. Uh, and I, I kind of just, I did feel like, like, wow, if I hadn't had this vaccine, what would have happened? I yeah. think it would have got, it would have gotten a lot worse. Yeah. But I mean, that's just my gut instinct telling me that. I don't know if that's factual, yeah. but, um, <laughs> Yeah, but I, I did. I did feel like it provided me some level of protection from having it get too severe. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was on the theory. I had this theory going like people get the flu shot, and the flu shot's kind of like a bit of a crapshoot, like whether or not you're going to nail the fact and not get the the flu. And my parents yeah. were religiously getting the flu shot for I don't know how many years, and both of them had no real effect to the vaccine. I'm like, maybe there's something in there. You know what I mean? Maybe you're not used to, they're used to injecting foreign things into their body that will effectively create antibodies, which will effectively keep you healthy. So I thought, well, when they got the vaccination for, for COVID, both of them were fine. But me, huh. I've never got the flu shot. It knocked me on my ass. Like I was did, bad. Did you get Moderna or Pfizer? I got AstraZeneca because I don't think AstraZeneca oh. was allowed in America. Is that some? am I, I making that I, up? I don't recall that ever being an option here in America. Yeah. It, it was Moderna, Pfizer, or Johnson and Johnson. Yeah. No, I got uh, Moderna was my la my second two shots. Everybody that I know that got Moderna got sick got sick from it. Really? Because my I second had... shot was fine. I was riding my bike the next day. It was totally fine. Huh. Weird. Yeah, eh? I had I had Pfizer. I had no I had no negative responses from either of my vaccines. Or my booster. Did you get the flu shot? I, I didn't get the flu shot. Oh, that I ruins my theory. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a few years since I've got a flu shot. Yeah, yeah. So the reason we're here was to talk. You guys are going on tour. Speaking of which, yep. It's like when? When is it? Like in a couple of weeks or something, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we're let's see. We're leave. We're flying out uh, next Thursday. Well, a week from this coming Thursday. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're doing about nine shows. I think it's six shows on the Northeast U.S. And then we go up into Canada for uh, to place shows in London, Toronto, and Montreal. And I hope you're gonna. I'm gonna see you in Toronto. I hope so. I mean, I'm a little. Yeah. I. I when is that? Yeah, I know that you're doing the. Yeah. It's on, it's on a Friday night. Okay. Yeah, I I I'd love to come. It'd be fun. Like I I you know, it's been I was just down there like in the start of April and that's when I caught COVID. So I'm a little wary of the city. But actually my I took my parents down a couple of weeks like a week ago. We went down and saw a show at the, like but it was like this fancy schmancy theater thing. But yeah, I would yeah, I'm the the thing that frightens me a little bit is because I I think I have 90 days where like uh -huh. you're okay, you know, but then I'm waiting on the fourth because we're getting a fourth shot. Did you? Did oh. you? Yeah. Are you? Cause I think now it's sixteen over, so I'm waiting, waiting to get my fourth shot. Um, yeah, I think that I think that being over fifty, that I am actually eligible for a fourth shot. Mm -hmm. Which, if I was smart, I'd probably go and do before I go out on this road trip. But uh, I don't think I'm going to have time in my schedule to yeah. allow me to do that. Yeah, but yeah, it's a it's a concern. It's a concern. Uh, we played we played a show in Costa Rica in December of last year, December twenty twenty one, and uh, Chuck and I, like I mentioned, we got COVID three weeks about three weeks before the show in Costa Rica, 
And, uh, you know, so my concern was everybody told me like, Hey, you're going to test positive for a long time. Even, even if you're over yeah. your COVID, you're still going to test positive up to 90 days. Like, they say, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, crap, like I'm going to get stuck in Costa Rica because <laughs> we have to have proof of uh, negative COVID tests to come back into the States. So anyhow, we went and played this one show in Costa Rica and, and then we had to get tested the same day that we played the show. And, uh, I mean, I was so nervous that, that I was going to come back positive, but, um, fortunately I came back negative and everything worked out and I was able to fly home. But yeah, yeah. that's a concern for, for touring bands in general nowadays and traveling out of the country. Um, is is all the the different um regulations from country to country and you know like we're like i say we're going to canada for three shows like what happens if uh after montreal when i'm i have right now as of right now the plan is we play montreal and then russ and i have to drive the tour vehicle back into the states and then we fly home from new jersey so so you know, what happens if, uh, we test positive, you know, yeah. as we're, as we're trying to cross back into the, into the state, like, okay, well now I'm stuck. And, and now everything in my life is thrown off with my work and my family. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so it's definitely on everybody's mind. I think that's in a, in a touring band, all the, um, all of the hurdles that you have to go through crossing through different borders, especially. Totally. Yeah, and it, it's funny. I I worked for a, a band around I been in July last year, and a few of the guys lived in Nashville, and they flew up, and apparently they called musicians uh, essential workers. Like, ah, that's that's oh. nice. It's good to know. <laughs> oh, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, it was like well, I'm like, are you shitting me? And they go, no, no. They actually consider like that to be a passable reason to come through. Uh, to travel across the border because uh, like, even this time last year it was kind of sketchy about leaving the country. Yeah, right. Um, so, but yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah, I would love to yeah f to hang in. Uh, you know, and you guys always put on a great show and everything's everybody's happy and everybody's healthy and you know and Chuck had some crazy accident got hit by car. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, uh, Chuck. Uh... Chuck got hit by a car and uh, had a severely broken right, I guess you would call it ankle. Yeah. But it was more above his ankle. Compound fracture, uh, broken kneecap, uh, I believe a broken collarbone and scapula. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, he is recovering i mean unbelievable um the guy the guy is just i can't explain it like he got most people would be laid up from the injuries he sustained for like a year and uh, he has been just incredibly diligent about his rehab and we actually played a show in march with Pennywise down in Southern California and he played in a wheelchair. Did you see my uh, Photoshop I, I posted? 
No. I put him in Dave Grohl's like rock <laughs> chair. <laughs> Yeah. And the, and uh, and I put your head on. I forgot the bass player's name from Foo Fighters, but I I put I, put, I gotta find it. It's I, mean, I thought it was, hey, it's some pretty good work. Pretty good work. You gotta, you gotta text that to me. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like no, we joked about that. We joked about the Dave Grohl throne. That was yeah, that was the whole thing. Like oh, we'll get you a Dave Grohl throne and you'll be fine. But a wheelchair. Now here's the thing. Like you gotta make sure is he is he out of the wheelchair? Because sometimes he, you know it's easy to stay in the wheelchair. He's walking. That's yeah. amazing. No, so the last I had played, uh, we played this show in March. I think it was March 12th. And I hadn't seen Chuck for about a month. And then uh, we started a couple of rehearsals last month. And he came, this is like mid-April. He showed up and he drove himself there. He got out and like walked into the rehearsal, limping, of course and wearing compression socks but he stood up the whole practice wow. and uh, we've had a couple practices since then and he is on his feet he's driving he's back at work a little bit and uh he's good to go like he's the these tours have been his motivation for for rehab yeah uh, you know he's he didn't want to cancel. I, I threw it out there. Like when this, this happened in January is when he got hit January of this year. I'm like, dude, whatever you need, like let's cancel any tours we have Just get yourself better. You know, you got a business to run. You've got kids like just get yourself better and we can cancel tours and we can, we can circle back around when and if you are ready to in the future, no big deal. And he's like, no, like I'm doing these tours, like, and it's been his impetus for getting better. And he's been working really hard uh, with rehabilitation, and uh, he's doing great. Like his his surgeon is just completely amazed at how far he's come. Like they didn't expect him to be um, where he is today. That's so great. He's doing he's doing good. That's amazing. It's yep. good to hear. And, you know, yeah, I, I, I couldn't imagine, couldn't imagine, you know, cause it's, it's, because it, it, we're, as you get older, obviously you don't heal as fast too, right? Like there's still all that stuff to consider, you know, you're not yeah. a young kid anymore, you know? Yeah. You know, my, my son looks like he broke his hand skateboarding. I'm like, you all right? And he's like, yeah, I'll be fine. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you want to get that checked out? Oh no, I'll be fine. I'm like, okay. I'm, yeah, it's, you know it's I mean? a different it's a different ball game when you're in your fifties for sure. Yeah, have you seen that Tony Hawk documentary? No. Oh, it's called When the Wheels Fall Off. No, it's, I haven't seen it. It's great. He's trying to do a 900, and he's like 53 or 52, and All he right. bails, and bails, and bails, and bails, and bails. It keeps crashing, and I'm like, oh my god, he's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, do, how do you do that? Yeah, been, is amazing. But check that out. Yeah, I will definitely. And yeah, I hope to, uh, I'll put all the dates and st I think I got the dates sent to me to, from Melanie. So I'll definitely post those and, you know, awesome. try to get some people out and. That would be helpful. Yeah, man. It's great to talk yeah. to you, man. It's been a long time. And, uh, you know. Simon, I have so many good memories of you. Like, oh. I just want to tell you, you're like one of the most well-rounded people 
in this industry I've ever met. Oh, it's so nice of you to and say that, thank you. And and that is that is you know from being a musician to uh, being a sound engineer to being just understanding everything that's involved with a show mm -hmm. to touring <laughs> to interpersonal relationships. Yeah. Like it was always nice to have your spirit around. You're a very kind man, and wow. um, and uh, I'm really happy to talk to you. When I when I uh, got the email from Melanie saying that you wanted to interview me, I was like, I was pretty excited. Yeah, man, absolutely. You know, and I like you know, it's 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 always good. You know, I I almost have everybody now. I just have to get Sean next time. I think he's the last one. He's the last one. And then we'll start going for X members. Okay. <laughs> well, hopefully they we'll just talk about good riddance the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully they won't have too many bad things. To nah. <laughs> yeah, man. I love you. I will. Uh, I hope to. Uh, I hope to see you in a in a, a couple of weeks. I guess. All right. I'll t I'll, I'll touch base with you via text. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, man. All, all right, Simon. Are we good? We're good. All right. Okay, brother. Well, have a great night. Yeah, man. Take care. Bye now. That was Luke from the band. Good riddance. Thank you so much. Uh, make sure you check out their tour. They're coming. To, they're doing Pootsa Fest in Canada. That's what they do now. Uh, London, they have a show at Rum Runners. There's some other shows happening. Just check the link in the description, and you'll be able to be connected to getting tickets or going to see the band in the next couple of weeks. A joy. Always great talking to Luke. I, you know, as the band Good Riddance, I'd say Luke is the calming factor. You know, a Chuck is chaos, Russ is darkness, and Sean's a party. Sean's a party. He's always been a party. But Luke is calm. He's a calming, calming person. In, in, so I think that's what makes, I forgot to even mention that during our conversation, that uh, that's what makes that band kind of unique, is that everybody in the band is completely, completely different. You know, they have sort of like, obviously, a... a Venn diagram of how they want to work but yeah those guys are all different people and that's what makes that band awesome so yeah like I said go check out the tour um, thank you so much Luke for doing the show for the nice words at the end that was, that was completely unexpected and, you know, and, and thank you because it feels nice when people recognize when you do stuff I do stuff I do do stuff I said do do by the way too so anyways next week I, ha I have one with uh Red or Red from The Last Gang. So tune into that next week because they're also they're going to be ending up at Pootsa Fest at the end of May too, and as well. Uh, so and they're also playing the Bovine and things like that. So, anyways, I am rambling. Thank you so much again. We'll see you again. Have a great one. 